Mike Rayburn, he is a two-time TED Talk presenter, a successful entrepreneur, and a member of the Speaker Hall of Fame. That's big time, y'all. Rayburn is featured art is a featured artist on Sirius XM. He's headlined on the strip in Vegas and received standing ovations at all eight of his performances as at Carnegie Hall. I have to say this is starting to sound like Zelig. The Woody Allen person who was literally everywhere. This is pretty amazing. And I am so grateful that he got up early and decided to come and be with us this morning. Everybody, please welcome. And if you have questions for, let us know. Mike Rayburn. Whoops, hold on a minute. Let's get you centered here. Give me just a minute. There we go. Can you see me, hear me, everything good? Yes, looks great. Can you hear me? Yeah, first of all, love the hat. I like a man that can rock a hat. Thank you. I wear them all the time. It's all my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I've got a collection of them by the door whenever I leave. So is that an album cover we're looking at? Uh, no, it's not. That is the beginning of my keynote presentation, the, uh, the what if keynote experience. Mm. And so, yes, that's uh, it's it's it is a pretty prominent photo <laughs> that I use a lot in a lot of cases, but it's not an album cover yet. Yet. It's a great picture. It's a well, really great you. picture. I like it. Who, whomever put yeah. it together, it, it's great. So give us the essence of what if in your, in your presentation. What if? Um, I believe that, first of all, I, I open by saying this. I ask everyone to complete this phrase. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. And here's the problem with that. Time breaks everything. If it's working now, if it's cutting edge now, its replacement is obsolete either on a drawing board or actually in production right now. So we have to be reinventing uh, on a regular basis. And uh, in my opinion, the way we do that, the best way to do that is with what's right in front of us, what we know. You know, Warren Buffett talks about investing in what you understand, what you know. So I believe that's where we reinvent. And so my entire premise is to look at what is and ask what if, what is, what is the way this is? And what if it could be this or, or to look at our own abilities and go, I, well, I know I can't, but what if I could, how would I do it? Or I know we have, never have, but what if we tried it? How would this work? Or as we've dealt with for the last two years, what if we absolutely had to, what if this result needed to take place and we've never done it before? What if we could, how would we do it? And what that does is when we ask it of ourselves, when we ask it of small teams, when we bring teams together and ask it and get if it focuses people's brain power, it causes them to look toward abundance and solution rather than scarcity in the problem. And so uh, whether it's uh, realizing unrealized potential that we all have, whether it's coming up with radical solutions to problems, which I've got a great story of, of a recent client who uh, used this in that way, um, if whether it's. Um, uh, whatever it is, and I've got a number of areas, I, I, address, um, I try to get people to stop managing change and start creating change. 
to be the ones who define the curve rather than follow it. Oh, I just have to jump in here. That's That's awesome. That right there, you know, managing change, initiating change rather than constantly reacting to it. What a great concept. Exactly. So tell us the story. You said you've got a recent client that applied this and I I love to hear stories. Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely. Um, I work with a group called Orshalin, which is, uh, Orshalin is in the Midwest, 11 states in the Midwest. They own 170 farm and home retail stores. It's kind of a farm version of Home Depot. Used to shop there a lot when I lived outside Kansas City. Exactly right. Love it. Yes. In fact, they're like Walmart meets Home Depot meets the food store, uh, yeah. the, the, the feed store, rather. Sorry to jump in. Tell us about Orson. No, I'm glad you, I'm, uh, at least now there's context, you know. So, uh, so I presented for them in February, which was 2019, February 2019. And in March of 2019, oh, and, and by the way, the presentation was for all their managers and assistant managers. And so then uh, in March of 2019, there were devastating floods hit Nebraska. And so Evan, a guy named Evan Couch is the manager of the store, the Orsland store in Seward, Nebraska. He and his team showed up at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, they opened at eight uh, to find most of the parking lot completely underwater. Uh, the floodwaters had come into the store two inches deep, had receded, but it left everything. You know how that is, a blood, it's just a muddy mess. Uh, there was no way they were gonna open that morning they might not open the next day. And the challenge wasn't just the lost revenue, obviously. Uh, the challenge was the people in the town were depending on the products that Orshland sells in order to dig out and clean up and repair things. And so the, his team, you know, I don't know how many people it was, you know, five or six, eight people uh, had been assessing all the damage, you know, just seeing what was going on. He brought them all together and they're all talking about this problem, that problem, that problem. And he took the whole team, and this is exactly how to do this. He took the whole team and he said, okay, guys, I know this is crazy, but what if we had to open today by 8 a.m.? How would we do it? So pause the story. What that did was took everyone's brain power from looking at the scarcity and the problem to abundance and a solution. And so they all start, and, and people have a lot more, intuitiveness, wisdom, uh, ability, then we give them credit for. And if we'll simply, as managers, as leaders, if we'll learn to direct that, it's amazing what can happen. So here's what they did. They posted someone at the front of the parking lot to direct traffic to where they could park. There's no way they were going to clean up that store, but they could clean up the front area near the registers. So they just cleaned out the front. They brought in employees with boots. And what they would do is ask the, the customer who came in, what do you need? They would, that employee would go through the store and gather up the goods, bring it up to them. They opened on time at 8 a.m. They had a full day of sales. And not only that, they built a bond with the community that hadn't existed before because he saw them going out of their way to serve just to try to make this work. The the company actually wrote me with 12 examples of how their managers have been applying this. And that was my favorite. And so I was sharing it with you. Yeah, that is, that is. Truly awesome. The I think that the challenge, I love this concept of, you know, number one, what if we could do it? But more importantly, what if we had to do it? And I, I'm sure you, I, I've been to corporate retreats decades ago when I was in that kind of thing. And it was a lot of hypothetical, et cetera. But this 
urgency and the Orschelin people slogging around in boots. I mean, they, they actually had, they absolutely had no choice whatsoever. Right. And they did it. And, and I mean, yes, I guess they could have closed the store, but you know, that would have been horrible. So what, what I, what I believe is that each one of us has those abilities personally, and then collectively we have those as well. What I try to do in, I've tried to do it for myself and uh, the tools that work for me, I teach to others is, just how do we tap into that? How do we become more creative? How do we discover our uniqueness? How do we, um, uh, there's a number of things. Like right now, I believe like one of the biggest casualties, unspoken casualties of COVID-19 is it, stopped, it taught us all to stop thinking big. We all went, whoa, contract. We can't do this anymore. We have to, we have to, we have to focus down. We have to get, you know, tighten things up. And that was good. That was necessary for a while. However, I believe it's time to revive that, is to, to wake that up again. You know, let's start thinking big again. And what if is one way to do that? This idea of contraction during COVID, what do you think uh, has been the outcome of this contracting mentality? Because some would say, well, the Great Depression was a good thing because it got people to think more cautiously, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, there was a lack of expansion after that. Right, right. Uh, with COVID-19, uh, I believe that as far as the contraction, it hit, what it did is it brought out, it sort of um, accentuated whatever we brought to the table anyway. One of the things I said for professional speakers is it taught us all, number one, do we actually walk or talk? And number two, is our talk actually worth walking? <laughs> you know, the tools we think actually work, you know? And, and so I believe that that's true. I believe that um, it brought if people had were more fear based, it brought out that fear. If people were more rebellious, which is kind of where I am, um, we got more rebellious. If it caused us to to uh, be the ones who uh, were more protective, we got were protected. We got more protected. It caused us to focus on what we know or what we do that uh, to just stay safe or just to stay uh, to you know to respond to this outside stimuli. You know, if that, does that make sense? Totally. And I was thinking for me, it caused me to uh, pursue a lot of passions I had forgotten. It's specifically like what we're doing right now. I mean, I'm, I'm surrounded by 13 lights. I've got broadcast cameras. I've done this. And I actually did more speeches during COVID, wow. 30% more speeches than I did before. Isn't that great? And you're not, yeah. I, I didn't, but I have a couple of friends who actually, Dan Burris, business is up yeah. 40% after, during COVID. Wow. Good for Dan. That's awesome. Yeah. Mine is, uh, and overall I'm looking over here because we have a tote board, but yeah, we've got, we're on track to almost double the number of speeches we did the year before. So wow. that's really, that's really that's awesome. Fantastic. Congratulations. That's great. You're doing something right. You know, and I didn't, I switched. I, I built this studio, and uh, I, nice. I uh, so my business didn't go up, but I continued to be in business. And it also, like you were saying, I think COVID did for a lot of, for me at least, uh, like you said, you just you went into certain things um, in a deeper way. I, I I got to it gave me time to write, it gave me time to rewrite and to reimagine. And it gave me time to enact some things that I hadn't learned. For instance, I'm, I now use something called harp guitar, and it's in a case right now where I'd show it to you. Uh, but it's it's an 18-string guitar. Well, I didn't have Ooh, that. Oh, beautiful. 
I've yeah. never even heard of one. Well, as we're doing this, I'll pull it out. Okay. If you don't mind me. Just- no, I'd love it. I'd, I'd like to see it. I used to play in a band. I've never seen an 18 string oh, guitar. So you're a guitarist? Drummer. Drummer. Okay. Yeah. Or as my, the guys in the band would say, there's five of us, there's five musicians in the band and then there's the drummer. Yes. <laughs> I made that mistake. I said that to, to in the group oh, of top session man. players in Nashville, including Larry London, uh, oh. the greatest drummers of all time. Yeah. And I actually said that. I said, Larry, we were talking in a, in a take between takes. And I said, so Larry, I was thinking you could do this. And then the musicians could do this. Ooh. Oh, oh, I didn't. Mean- <laughs> oh my gosh. So is this electric? Uh, yes, you can plug it in. It is also. It looks like the Hard Rock Casino down here in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, rather. Yeah, this is so. What it has is in the middle. This section right here is a regular six-string guitar. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can. And then it's got here the eight, the six sub bass strings of a harp. And then it's got up here eight eight super treble strings of a harp. Not really warmed up, but that they are beautiful. It took me a second to even see the treble strings, but now I see them. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been crazy. That is so cool. Yeah. And so what I do and the reason I do this is I use it as a metaphor. So you know we're talking about uh, reinventing I believe that what you and I do and the people with whom we work and get to uh, uh, connect, um, I believe that what we bring to the table, skills that we've developed, the wisdom that we have, the experiences that we have, will always matter. And that to me is the six-string guitar. I'll always be able, what I know do on the six-string guitar will always matter. And it will always have an application somewhere. I believe that. And I believe we're going to have to learn to play new strings, all of us. We're going to have to add to that uh, concept. So uh, I use this and then I, what I play and uh, uh, I, I wish I could, I was warmed up to or be able to do it right now, but uh, I end up playing a, a, a current version of an old song. I do a current version of Eleanor Rigby uh, from the Beatles and, uh, and all those parts. So anyway, that's the harp guitar. That's, that's, that came from COVID. I mean, I, I hadn't been playing it much before COVID and then I got a chance to learn, you know, that is yeah. awesome. I'm putting in Mark Rayburn, R-A-B-U-R-N, correct? No, it's Mike Rayburn. Mark, Mike. I have Mike. I'm now I'm misreading your last name. R-A-Y. Right. And it's R-A-Y-B-U-R-N. Yeah. I want to give everybody your URL and to reintroduce you. Our guest is Mike Rayburn. He is a two-time TED presenter. He is a member of the Speakers Hall of Fame, and he's been a featured artist on Sirius. Tell us about the Carnegie Hall thing. The reason I ask is that uh, Yakov Shmirnov is a friend of mine, and he had a run at Carnegie Hall, and 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 I just love hearing about that because there's no more iconic place in oh yeah in it's, it's the coolest the venue. World. It's the coolest venue on the planet. Uh, in my opinion, in my experience. And by the way, side note, Yakov is amazing. I used to, I when, when I met him as part of the Transformational Leadership Council, uh, when I met him, I was able, I, I, I was like, I love your comedy and I love that. Da, 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 da. And we start talk, talking back and forth. And there was kind of like, there's always that, like, are they just saying this to me or does he actually know myself? And I, I can right now repeat bits of his 
from literally 40 years ago. And, <laughs> and I repeated them back, you know, even with his accent, you know, and, and yeah. so he, people do that. Anyway, so side Very back. cool. So tell me how, what, you know, was it practice, practice, practice that got you to Carnegie Hall is the old yeah. saying. That's the old, yeah. How do you get to Carnegie, Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice. Um, it was, actually, yeah, number one, I believe that you need to be, um, there's a, people talk about whether it's luck or whether it's by design or plan or whatever. I believe that, yes, I've been lucky in my life, but you can give luck one hell of a chance to happen. And, uh, and so the key is to be ready. You know, you've heard this phrase before, but when the line of uh, preparation crosses the line of opportunity, and then you have that moment. So uh, I was in, I was touring at colleges before being a speaker. I used a guitar and comedy, comedy simply as that's my show. And I called the show comic, classically trained, comically derailed. And I would, uh, I played at colleges for 16 years. I played 1800 college shows all over the U S and Canada. That was my, wow. my yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, you know, it makes you good. <laughs> it makes it gives you, it throws you in any situation. Right. And so I wanted to get beyond the college market. And my my agent represented a band called 1964 The Tribute, which Rolling Stone magazine called the best Beatle tribute band who had ever existed. And they I've were, heard of it. Yes. Oh, they're brilliant. They were selling, they were selling a thousand, three thousand seats everywhere I went, everywhere they went. And so I called my agent. I said, "Listen, tell them I'll open the show for free. Just let me sell my stuff after, you know, my CDs and things afterwards." And it took me a while to talk him into it. Finally did it. Um, I did I did a few, and it really worked. It really clicked. I actually made more money from just my CD sales than I did in concerts at colleges. And so I would do two or three of these a year with these guys, and, which is cool. We played some great venues. Um, I was just watching, uh, uh, my wife and I were just watching Larry the Cable Guy uh, do a, had recorded a special in Joliet, Illinois at the Rialto Theater. And I was like, that's where I played with 1964 at Y2K. Anyway, fast forward. That is cool. Yeah, actually, they they um, Carnegie Hall found uh, this band, 1964, and, and a promoter by the name of Mark Johnson uh, made it happen. He hooked it up. And so they were going to headline Carnegie Hall, and they needed an opening act. And so any other thing about this, because we both think business-wise here, if they, they had hired any other tribute band it would have been a tribute night, in which case these guys would be more of a commodity. Right. Because they want to be their own sort of like anomaly, they're so good at the Beatles, they didn't want to have another uh, tribute. So they were looking at what they could do. Oh, Mike, let's get Rayburn. So my agent calls me and says, do you want to play Carnegie Hall? And I said, let me think about it. I'll call you back. No. I said, <laughs> I said Carnegie Hall, yes. You know. So, uh, so I opened and I prepared for it and prepared for it and it went great. I got a, a big standing ovation and that's one of the greatest feelings on the planet, um, to be standing at Carnegie Hall in a place where everyone from Thelonious Monk to Leonard Bernstein to John mm -hmm. Lennon to, uh, literally Tchaikovsky himself have actually stood in that spot. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to go, Hey, we didn't mean you. Right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So that was the first time. And then it worked really well. And so they booked us back for the next year uh, to do two shows and me opening as well. And so I called them in Carnegie. This is this is the marketing side. This is why anybody can benefit from, from thinking this way. 
So they booked me to open and Carnegie Hall is actually three stages. There's the Isaac Stern Auditorium, which is the big one we play. It's 2,804 seats. There's a middle-sized hall called the Zankel Hall, 600 seats. And then there's the Weill Recital Hall, which is 268 seats. And they are all part of Carnegie Hall. You play those, you play Carnegie Hall. And so I called the promoter and I said, listen, I'm going to be doing those two shows, sold out crowds. Book me a week later to do my full show in the smaller room in the Weill Recital Hall. And I'll finish my 35-minute opener, and I'll say, hey, I'm doing my whole show next week. Tickets are on sale in the lobby. And so they did it, and that's how I sold out Carnegie Hall. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> I literally, it's because I asked them to. I headlined Carnegie Hall because I was willing to open for a Beatle tribute band for free. <laughs> what if I was willing to open for a Beatles tribute band for free? And then what if I so talked to my agent? You know, one of the things when I talk to other speakers is if I'm at a speaking at a big convention center, right, where there's like six, 10 conventions going on at one time, right? I've started going up and finding whomever hired that year's speakers, giving them my card saying I'm speaking down here. And it's amazing the simple connections I'm making. But that was just that was a what if for me. What if I started doing this? That's a great see that. I've thought that too, and I've actually met once or twice, but I haven't made a point of it the way you did, which yeah. is a great idea. We're all capable. There are so many. One of the ways I start my program is say, I believe that we are surrounded by a gold mine of opportunities, uh, opportunities that we miss, opportunities to step beyond what's been done for, to look at all things in a new way. And I give you one of the examples I use is. I know there's a business one, but Dollar Shave Club, which I really Oh, yeah. Love. I know Dollar Shave. Yeah. And I'm a member of it. And uh, Dollar Shave Club, it, it was created by a guy named Michael Dubin. Uh, Michael Dubin uh, is also a stand-up comic, which is why those early commercials were him being funny. And about six years ago, uh, Michael Dubin sold, he built the company. He sold Dollar Shave Club to Unilever for a billion dollars, a billion dollars. And I say, to, I asked my audience, I said, what is Dollar Shave Club. It's razors and postal service. There's nothing new here. <laughs> it's except the idea. He did something that you and I do every day. He saw a need. Right. Guys tend to not be big shoppers. We don't want to feel like a criminal at CVS asking them to unlock the razors. I can't believe <laughs> it. And so here's the depth of a billion dollar idea. You could write it on the back of a business card. For a few dollars, we'll mail your razors to you. On a regular basis, and they're yeah. going to be oh, as yeah. good or better than the ones you're currently using. That's yeah. Dollar Shave Club. Bill, well, yeah, nine bucks a month. And so, nine bucks. and so, what I'm saying is, I believe those opportunities. I, I this is why I, I do what I do. I genuinely believe those types of opportunities in front of everybody. We just have to be willing to get beyond our own frame of reference, our own our own sort of perspective and existence, and. What I found is works for me so well is the question, what if? What if? What if? Uh, by the way, I've put a couple of posts and we're going to take a look at uh, your comments here as well as remember, this is, of course, broadcast across many platforms and emailed out to tens of thousands of people. So be sure and post your questions and I will respond to them. And if they're deep and thick, well, you can also schedule a complimentary 30 minute strategy call with Mike. I mean, how great has he been? And you can get to talk to him one-on-one -on -one 
All you've got to do is go to his Calendly link, which I have there available for you. Oh, cool. And do remember, yeah, do remember everybody. The way we build this positive online community is through your likes, comments, and shares. Not only does that let your friends and family know that you enjoy starting your day in a positive way, but it also triggers the algorithms on YouTube, Facebook, etc. So every like counts a lot. Uh, Mike, tell us about, and then I'm going to jump into the comments. I see there's several. Tell us about Disruption Peru, uh, September 3rd through 10th. And I've posted, or I, at least I put it in the comment section. So yeah, let's not, we've actually changed that. We're pushing that to 2023. What oh. we're doing instead is yeah. the What If Weekend. The What If Weekend. Okay. What the If what Weekend if. is going to be August 18th through 20th. And this is, we're going to What If Our Lives. We're going to... Uh, we, what we look for is people who are at least open to the idea of adventure, who are growth minded um, to be able to um, access and, and live, live out your truest self-expression and start living by design rather than by default. And so what we do is it's a three day. It's got to be three days. <laughs> and the, the reason is on the opening day, we're going to mess things up. We're going to try. We're going to get you out of your comfort zone, do some things that are a little different here in Vegas. Uh, the second day, we're going to go deep, really looking at who you are, what the thing that you've always wanted to do that you haven't done, the ability that you don't realize you have, uh, the the uh, the goals that you have in life that you probably so many people will write off before they even consider it. They write off the possibilities uh, by saying, well, I, I can't do this. I have kids. I can't do this. I'm too old. I can't do this because I don't have this opportunity or that opportunity. And so we said, let's get rid of that. Let's dig into who you really are. Let's dig into what and, and, and see how we can actually design your life around these things that make you come alive, those things inside you. So the third day, what we do is we take the, all, all the things that we've uncovered and we have a, a there's a pattern to this, um, all the things that we've uncovered and we turn them into a plan, into, into what you're going to actually do. And so uh, my wife and I do this, uh, Kimberly, her name is Kimberly Faith. It's Kimberly Faith Rayburn, but Kimberly Faith, if you were to look online, she does breath work. So breath work will be a part of this. Uh, that's kind of a, a, a new thing that's sort of uh, becoming a bit of a trend. And uh, it's amazing what ha I've done. It's amazing. But she's she actually teaches. And leads. In fact, she's going to Spain two days from now. She flies to Spain for a week uh, to increase her abilities with that, to become certified. And so anyway, so that's what we do for the what if weekend. And if you have questions about that, just email me, uh, Mike Raver, or set up a call, uh, the Calendly, uh, use that Calendly link. Does that make sense? Did I say that? <laughs> go, go to MikeRaver.com, but this is for select people. And got so it. it's not something you can just go sign up for. Oh, got it. I want, so. I, I want us to talk. I want us to just, you know, uh, because, because we, uh, we ask, we, we, we really want to, we pay attention to the group that's there. And so I really want to get with you and talk with you because I believe that we have a phone call. Number one, if that's all we do, you'll get something out of it. I'm, I'm guaranteeing, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that I will give you some takeaways from a 30 minute call, some ideas that might move you forward with what you want to do. It's not about me. We're going to talk about you. Uh, and deeper than that, it might make sense for you. If it makes sense for you to be at the what if weekend, then we're going to, in fact, through the phone call, we give you a discount on that. Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot before we say TTFN. And that is 
we do a uh, song of the day. We try and think of something positive that we can all listen to. We, we think about this idea of this being on many platforms. And because of uh, copyright, obviously, we can't do it. But as soon as this is over, we listen to it. So is there a song that amps you up that you think uh, the audience would appreciate? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, can I give two? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would say number one, and I know this, this is going to sound cliche. It's almost, it's almost become a guilty pleasure. I don't care whether it's a guilty pleasure or just a pleasure. Living on a prayer, Bon Jovi is yeah. absolutely my, my get riled, get ready. Let's rock this the kind of thing. And then if you're in a little bit more of a laid back way, I would say, take it easy by the Eagles. Take Love it easy. Yeah. I'm typing all of this in so that people who watch this later, which is uh, uh, just everybody knows the song. <laughs> uh, there we go. So everyone later will also see it and will listen to it as well. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to select Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Everybody, you be sure and check out Mike Rayburn. And Mike, again, thank you for getting up so early to join us. And as we pass in the airport, I look forward to seeing you and saying hi. Will, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much for including me. Bless you. Everybody, be sure and pick one of the songs of the day that Mike has recommended and listen to it. Alexa, play Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. All right, everybody, enjoy today. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> no more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. We're flying high, creating a complaint-free world, no more.